Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today, we have a guest I'm very excited to have on the show, uh, Michelle Accardi of Star to Star Communications. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's great to have you on here. Michelle, tell us a little bit about your, yourself and uh, your company. Sure. So uh, I am, uh, again, Michelle Accardi. I'm the President and Chief Revenue Officer of Star to Star Communications. Uh, Star to Star is a leading communications collaboration contact center and integration solution provider. Uh, we have been in business since 2006 uh, and rapidly growing. We are um, really proud of the fact that we have one of the highest customer retention rates in the industry. Uh, people come to Start a Star and they stay with us uh, for a very, very long time. We're 100% channel focused. So we uh, sell our solution through our channel partners. Uh, and we pride ourselves on being one of the easiest and friendliest companies uh, in the channel to do business with. And I just want to clarify there, you said, uh, talked about your customer retention rate. For everyone listening, it's 99.4%. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, I'm gonna throw out some other little factoids about Starter Star Communications. They have been in the Gartner Magic Quadrant seven times. Uh, they've been named to the Forbes Most Promising Companies list, uh, Deloitte Technology Fast 500 five times, and the Inc. 500 six times. So fast growing. Uh, you guys are crushing it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. So, Michelle, um, thinking back, about your entire career, which you've had a very impressive career. Tell us about the person who's had the most impact on your success. Well, I'd like to say that it's one person, but it's really a myriad of people. I mean, it starts from having really great family support when I was a kid uh, to having a wonderful husband and great kids. And then in my career, I've been really lucky to work with some of the most talented executives um, people uh, like the CEO of Start a Star, Norm Worthington, who ironically enough, when I was 20 years old, gave me my first start in technology uh, at another company that he owned uh, and uh, really cut my teeth at that company. And that got acquired by CAA Technologies, where I, I like to say that I grew up. So I spent 17 years uh, at CA and then uh, came to Start a Star about eight years ago. And Norm was a, uh, a just a, a tremendous influence on my career and life. Yeah, that's awesome to have someone like that in your life. That's tremendous. Um, what are the top three things that helped you the most in your career? Well, I will say that uh, the things that I feel like help anyone <laughs> the most in, and at are the ability to have uh, perseverance and resiliency because you're not always going to have good times in 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 whatever you do, um, but if you have the the grit and perseverance to see things through and the resiliency, um, you'll do really well. The other uh, the last one I'll say is agility, uh, the ability to adapt. Uh, 
things are always going to change. And I find that for me, you know, while I certainly have loved many of the different roles I've had in my past, what has really worked for me is the fact that I wasn't just stuck to saying, this is all I can do. I, I had adaptability. So I started out as, for example, Start a Star's chief marketing officer, uh, helped to build uh, our marketing framework and team, and then realized, hey, we needed, we had some operational challenges we needed to work on. So jumped in and became our chief operating officer really worked on our back-end systems and processes, and then um, was asked to take on the presidency and chief revenue officer role. So those roles may not all seem, uh, obviously they're not all the same. Uh, so the ability to be adaptable and agile, uh, super, super important skill. Did you have any hesitancy at all about shifting into the CRO role? Um, you know, I, I think I, I did for like, 30 seconds and then it's a it's a feel the fear and do it anyways. Right, right. <laughs> that seems to be a theme in your career just looking over at all the th different things you've done. You don't seem to have much fear. It's true. I, I just think life you have to take uh, risks as long as they're calculated uh, risks. I think you just do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, thinking back to when you were first starting out in your in this path you're on what do you think or what do you wish you would have been taught that would have well been i wish i would have been taught that this was even an option frankly uh i'm i'm very lucky to be in the career that i'm in because when i was in college um i really had no thought of technology as an industry even as marketing and sales as something that i could do uh, i was a political science major thinking i'm going to go to law school um, I also had was uh, into theater and I was a, so an actress. Uh, so I, I, I was like, well, I'll, I'll do something in entertainment law and that's gonna be what, what my option is if I wanna be in corporate America is law. Um, I didn't really realize how important sales is uh, to every industry. There's not, and it's mind boggling to me that colleges don't, they teach marketing to some degree but there is no course catalog uh, or university program that's around selling, ethical selling. And so to me, that's just mind boggling because every industry uh, requires someone to sell something in order for you to do anything else. Uh, so uh, to me, I wish that I had realized much earlier, you know, how important sales as a skill is uh, and been taught more about it in my formative years. It is mind boggling that you can't major in sales. It, <laughs> it? I mean, yeah, it is. so fundamental. It's Absolutely. Wow, uh, that is crazy. Um, what's your best advice for someone thinking about a sales career? Well, first of all, go out and take a sales role. Whatever sales role you possibly can get into, or if you can't find your way, can't get your foot in the door to a sales role, uh, and you're in a different role in your, in your company, um, ask to go on sales calls with the salespeople. Learn what they're doing. See how they communicate. See what their challenges are, because ultimately that helps you build a repository of knowledge in your own mind so that when you can make that leap into a sales role, um, you sort of know what it's about. Because so much of sales is just active listening. Uh, and if you can start doing learning by going out with salespeople who are really good at that, 
uh, you'll be miles ahead when you get into your own role. I love that answer. Active listening is such a critical, it's actually one of our core values. Uh, I think it's just so important uh, in, in really any role, but especially in sales. Um, do you think people are afraid to go into a sales career? I think so. I think I think people um, obviously see that you know salespeople um, have to take on a lot of risk, right? On a monthly basis, they have a, a revenue target that they have to hit, and if they don't hit it, they may not have a job. Um, but to me, that's the opportunity because. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't like feeling like I'm just a cog in the machine and I don't know what my value is. I love being able to every month sort of put up on a board and say, this is what I and my team were able to deliver. Um, and, you know, I think when, when you get good at putting up numbers, if you have a month or two where the numbers don't, people, people understand. Um, but the ability to be, show value is incredible. And I would say, even if for a person who's not in sales, that would be my advice to them is make sure that you're always putting up what your value is. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's incredibly important. Do you want your sales team to be open enough to ask for help when they're struggling? I think it's really important that they ask for help when they're struggling. First of all, your bosses don't know what you might be struggling with if you don't tell them. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times people think their their management is are mind readers, uh, or that they have, or they think that they have all the answers. I'm the first to tell my salespeople, look, I'm not on the, you know, you're on the front line. You have to tell me what your partners and your customers are asking for. Uh, I may or may not be able to give them what they're asking for, but I won't know unless you tell me. Besides a lack of production, is there something you'd look for? to see if someone's struggling as a sales leader? Are there clues or? or well, I think, I think you know, um, I, I've found in my career that salespeople are natural cynics. Uh, and it, you know, and, and if, I, if I start to not get a level of pushback on things or if they're not engaged, um, that's how I, I can tell, right? I mean, if I'm, if I'm not hearing them speak up on a call and, uh, you know, and question me harder or, um, you know, that's when I'm going to dig in and say, you know, what's going on? Is there something personal? Is there, you know, are you having a challenge? Um, but it's really, again, it goes back to that active listening. You just really have to see the cues within your organization of, of where engagement is happening or not. Let's talk about your transition to chief revenue officer. That, that's a huge responsibility for any organization. What was your thought process after those 30 seconds were up and you said, yes, I'm going to do it. What were you thinking about then? Well, I'm, I, I am always about how do you break things down into their smallest parts in order to be able to accomplish a goal. Um, so for me, it was thinking about, okay, do I have the right team in place uh, with the right skill sets in the right areas? Um, oh gosh, I might have some gaps. How am I going to fill them? Thinking about that um, and who else I needed to pull in to help us be successful. Because uh, no matter what role that you're filling, it's generally bigger than any individual. It really takes the whole team to make it successful. So for me, it was, do I have the right team to make me successful in this role and to make the company successful overall? So if you don't have the right team, what do you do? What did you do? 
well, you have, you have two options. You either coach up or you coach out. <laughs> um, and so for me, it, it, I, I am very transparent in my management approach. I let people know whether or not I felt like they were the right team members for what we were trying to build. And I gave them a chance um, in terms of to prove that they were or they weren't um, and put personal uh, individual action plans in place where necessary and move people out if they needed to be moved out. And uh, then started to also work the network that I have of really great relationships over a 24 year career to, to bring in some really great talent to help scale up my, my entire team. What do you think some of the common mistakes people transitioning into a, a sales leadership role make? What are I, think they, I think often it's thinking it's all on you. It's all on you as the individual and not asking for help. I have to tell you, partnering for me with the different executives around my business and with some of my, my, my team members uh, and members of, of the different executive teams, whether that was my, my chief financial officer and, and saying, gosh, is there a creative way for us to help get this customer what they need that meets our targets that I'm not thinking about and things. So not just imagining that you can do everything on your own, but pulling in uh, the people around you to help. Right. I know you love where you're at, but for people that are considering, hey, I'm, you know, may not be thrilled with the opportunity I have in front of me. I'm, I'm looking for a new opportunity. What should they be looking for to say, this is the role I want if I'm going to leave and join another or organization? Well, I'm going to, so I'm a long timer. I don't, I don't jump around a lot. <laughs> so one of the, a piece of advice, first of all, that my father gave me early on in my career, when I had come into some challenges, he said, you know, the grass isn't always greener someplace else. And if it is, it's likely because they have a, a problem with their septic system. Uh, so so don't, be careful of what appearances are uh, on the surface. Go ask additional questions to any uh, of past employees, current employees. Go do your own research and remember that you are interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. And, and don't expect perfection anywhere. I, if someone's telling you that it's all rainbows and unicorns in any business, that's a red flag to me. Oh, yeah. um, so it's really about, do you like the team that you're going to work with? Can, can you be open, honest, and transparent? Can you communicate the way you like to communicate? Uh, and will that be effective within that environment? What do you do to cultivate your team for leadership roles? Well, for, for my team... It's certainly uh, about where the talent rises to the top and um, people who are already high performance that don't necessarily have a leadership title, but are exhibiting like they're helping their peers uh, and really taking the extra initiative. Um, that's going to get noticed. Um, and when that gets noticed, that gives me an opportunity to evaluate and think about where I may have gaps that I need to fill with, uh, with, with uh, an employee. What do you do? Like, so you have someone who's transitioned into a leadership role and they're, they're not performing as you wished. How do you approach your, cult, your coaching in that scenario? Well, I'm extremely direct. So, um, you know, and, and I believe in sort of con continuous feedback. 
Um, so it's not something where you just have one discussion. Uh, for me, it's about, hey, this is where you're falling short. I need you to pick this up. Uh, um, also talking to them about, are they happy in the role that they're, is this something that's gonna be a fit? Because I think oftentimes people get put into things or asked to take on roles um, that may not be, I, I say it's like a fish climbing a tree. Uh, so, you know, asking again, is this really what you're looking for? Is this what you want to be doing? If not, let's figure out where it makes the most sense for you. But I think that open conversation about here's my expectations, how are you going to meet them? And if you don't think you can meet them, you don't have the skill set or, okay, what is it that you think you can do? And where is your value? Again, showing where that value is. Do you use third-party coaches or anything externals? I, I, I personally have, and um, at different times in our, in our history at Star to Star, we have as well. Yeah. So you've, have you ever had a personal coach or mentor that's helped you along? Oh, absolutely. I have a woman uh, by the name of Joanne Moretti, uh, who is a personal friend, but has become a, a, just a tremendous mentor uh, to me. And I've also uh, leveraged a woman uh, named Katie Temple, uh, who's also uh, done a lot of great coaching with me. That's awesome. Do you coach anybody or mentor anyone? I do. I, I have a few people whom I work with very closely. And, and again, it's really comes out of, a, a, I'll say a trust relationship, right? I'll, I'll be working with someone and they'll say, Hey, would you mind uh, mentoring me or giving me feedback? And, and I, my answer is always a resounding yes. Uh, as long as the person's willing to put in the work and isn't afraid of feedback and isn't afraid to give feedback because I don't think coaching relationships can ever be one way. Um, you really can learn from just about anyone uh, if you're open to it. Is there a right way for someone to approach to say, hey, could you be my mentor? Or a wrong way, I guess, is maybe a better question. Well, I think if, if, if you think that someone's, if you just go to someone that you don't have a relationship with and you haven't built that trust with, I think that's, that's hard uh, because you don't know where to start. I wouldn't know where to start if it's someone who I haven't had some business dealings with. Um, so I would always suggest that anyone that you're going to go to to be a mentor be someone that has some interaction with you and has could at least start from a, pers a place of perspective. Is there something that you used to believe, you know, when you got into your role as a sales leader, you went into it thinking, hey, I know this is right. But now that you've been in it for a while, you realize I, I was flat out wrong. Yes, I think I think to I think there are a lot of areas where I I might have had a perspective coming in and it, you know it it and I was wrong and I don't know that I can think of specifically one in this in this instance, um, but I will say the thing that I've learned is to take a step back and stop thinking about how you see something, but to try to think about how the person you're trying to sell to or coach or manage how, what their perspective is, um, you know, put on those shoes versus your own uh, and stop with the story in your own head because you have to sort of tell yourself a different story sometimes. Uh, and remember that everybody's got a different story going on <laughs> in the back of their, their yeah. mind. So you gotta sort of play multiple possibilities. That's awesome. So it sounds like empathy is a pretty, important aspect of how you work with people. Is that correct? Absolutely. I try, at least I try to be. 
how did that develop for you or did you always have that? I think that was fairly innate uh, in me, but I also had some time periods of challenge in my life at different, at different stages. Um, you know, I can tell you as a child, um, I was pretty precocious and I didn't have a lot of kids who just loved me when I was, um, because I was very direct and, uh, you know, children don't tend to know how to process some of that. Um, and as I matured, um, I found in some instances that, um, you know, that, that could be misinterpreted. Uh, and then as I got into my twenties and into a relationship, I was, I, I was about to be married and my fiance was in a terrible accident, broke his neck, uh, and became uh, vent dependent quadriplegic. So that was the first time I, and I was working in corporate America at CA at the time. Um, that was the first time that I had really thought, you know, I had thought about what my life would be like by myself without, uh, um, uh, and had to make some very tough choices. So all of a sudden, you know, I could start to see how other people might have uh, make different, you know, I, I was all work, 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 work. Um, um, but then when you have something like that, that happens and jolts you, you realize, oh my God, you know, people have lives outside of their offices. They have things that they're dealing with. Um, so that was the first time that that, and that was, I was in my late twenties at the time when that happened. Um, in my thirties, uh, you know, that, that certainly was a, cathartic moment, I'll say, you know, and, and when I got into my thirties, um, uh, I, you know, got married again and I was work, I've got back into my work, 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 work mode. Um, and I woke up basically when I was about 38 or 39 and realized, gosh, something else is missing here in my life. And, um, realized I hadn't married the right partner and decided to get divorced and uh, met someone else and got married and now have, I have six children, three, oh, wow. uh, three stepchildren, um, a foster, a foster son and two twin uh, toddlers, uh, all within the last uh, five years. So I've got six kids. If that doesn't teach you empathy, uh, I don't know what will. Tell us about your success habits. Well, again, I think I'm just being open to things is how I make success happen, right? I don't say no a lot. Um, and when I say no, it's um, generally um, no, but, <laughs> uh, you know, this is what I can do. Um, and I just think being open, I think a lot of people close themselves off to what opportunities and success can be um, because there's just this innate fear. And, I just step into that. And I, I just think people need to sort of step forward um, and not be so afraid because I find the things that we're afraid of aren't the things that happen anyways. And again, you know, maybe my life experiences, the tragedies and the, and the, the you know, the needing to uh, be resilient in personal relationships, et cetera, has caused me to be less fearful because I know that there's good things on the other side. Um, but that's what's made me successful. Um, when it comes to, you know, a key part of being a leader is uh, keeping your team focused and motivated. Um, what are some of the tips you have for people around in that area? Well, I, you know, I really prescribe to an agile methodology. I believe that 
doing sort of stand-up calls with your teams every day, even if it's, you know, 15 minutes, just sort of temperature checks. Are we working on the right deals? Um, are there obstacles you can take out of the way? Being a help, um, always being a service to your team. Uh, I think that is what real leadership is and that will motivate people uh, the most. The only caution I have for you is don't always give the answer or the solution. That's something in my career I've had, um, you know, I, I tend to jump forward and want to help solve every problem for every person. Um, and I've learned, I'm, I should say, I am learning to step back from that and letting people solve some of their own problems. Um, but being there as a, a guidepost for them when, when if they want to uh, talk about those things. I can relate to you on that one. I have to pull my reins, my personal <laughs> reins back and say, whoa, give them a chance. They can do it. Uh, let's shift topics here and let's talk about CRM. Um, I always start this off with the same question. When it comes to CRM, do you love it or do you hate it? Well, it is a love and hate relationship. I think on one end, uh, I love... I love the fact that I can get really good visibility into my business and what's going to happen, what's happening. And what I hate about CRM is it's still too manual of a process um, with people having to, you know, put information in. And I think that's getting better. There's more automation that's happening uh, in the back end of different CRMs, but that's uh, that is still tends to be the challenge. Do you think that's your biggest struggle or the, the biggest struggle most people have? I think that is probably one of the biggest struggles because that's, uh, you know, that's where the adoption struggle of CRM is, right, is in getting people to use it. Now, it, I'm very lucky that it's the corner, CRM is the cornerstone of, of most of what we do at Star to Star. Uh, you know, it, a quote doesn't come in, an order doesn't get processed, uh, a support ticket doesn't get done unless we're leveraging our CRM. So people are, are I want to say forced into adoption within our environment. Um, but I would rather that be a, oh gosh, it's great. I want to, I want to be leveraging uh, a CRM. Uh, to and, and I think in many cases, again, we've focused a lot on usability in our CRM um, to make it so it's not so painful. Um, but again, in my vast career, uh, whether, you know, regardless of what CRM tool uh, people are using, um, it, it could always be simpler. It could always be, it just, if, if I picked up the phone, I want it to be there, the information to be there. I don't want to have to type in a note. If I um, sent an email, if I went into another marketing automation system, I want it to be there. Uh, I want my emails to be there. I want my calendar to be there. I don't want to have to do in multiple systems. Right, right. Uh, when it comes to, uh, you were talking about user adoption um, and thinking back, you've got a, a, like you said, a very strong level of experience when it comes to this. Uh, what do you think works better or how do you approach user adoption? Do you use a carrot? Do you use a stick? What do you do? Well, I think you have to do both. I don't think it, again, it's, it's like anything else in life. It's, it's a bit of moderation of both. Um, certainly you, the carrot, first of all, has to be making it as usable as possible and giving people access to data that helps them with making decisions and drive. And that can't just be at the management level. It has to be at the rep level. Um, so I think that that's, 
that's really, really critically important as, as the carrot. And then the stick is you have to use that because if you don't, then you may not, you know, people, sales, as long as you still have to put input information into a CRM, you're going to have to use a stick. If, if CRM matures the way that I think that industry is going, hopefully that will become less and less over time. But for right now, I think there is a little bit of stick necessary. Because you have had in the past, you know, the, the head responsibility for marketing and now you're CRO, what advice would you give to any uh, CMOs that may be listening on what they should be doing to better support the sales team? Well, I think, first of all, I think you used really good terminology, better support sales team. I think marketing should see themselves as a, as a support center of sales uh, and uh, end of the customer. Um, so I think if you're looking at what types of marketing automation tools and such to use, you know, make sure it's going to integrate well to the sales tools that are in place or are going to be used. Uh, because if you're using something that can't integrate, then getting a 360 view is going to become very, very difficult and you're not going to get the full value that you could. Right. That's great. Well, we are coming up on our time here. So I really, this has been terrific talking to you. It's been absolutely terrific. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, um, what's the best way for them to reach out and connect with you? Sure. Um, so you can reach out to me at m Acardi at startastar.com. I'd love to get an email from you and I uh, would, would love to talk more. Should they preface it in any way or so it stands out? Uh, well, if they, if they want to preface uh, this podcast, I would, that would be wonderful. Sales lead dog. That's awesome. And you're on LinkedIn as well. I'm yeah. sure they can get to you through there. That's awesome. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much for being on Sales Lead Dog. It's been terrific talking with you. It's been great, Chris. Thanks for having me. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales lead dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.